Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, have been fighting for your rights for nearly 100 years because they believe that fairness is a universal right, not just reserved for the chosen few. They know if one person's denied the right to be safe, to be free, to be heard or to be equal, everyone else's rights are at risk too. And that includes you. So whether it's returning stolen land, protecting new mums at work or demanding equality, Morris Blackburn Lawyers helps shine a light on everyday injustices because who knows when your rights might be affected. Little song about a man called Goff and a little boy wanted to be tarred with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he hated the liberals, so he didn't know why. So we are approaching the end of the year here on Pod on the Hill, and we are very, very fortunate to be joined by uh, Minister uh, Martin Foley. He's had an extremely busy year. There's been a huge amount happening across his portfolios, which cover um, mental health, uh, the creative industries, and equality as well. And the Minister's been good enough to come in here and join us here on Pod on the Hill. It's my pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, a delight to have you. Um, there's been uh, a lot that's been going on uh, across a range of your portfolios. I think uh, a moment that got a very lot of media coverage, and uh, I know um, uh, as well, uh, was quite an intense debate in in the parliament. Was the passing of the the birth certificate laws uh, that occurred uh, earlier this year? Can you can you give us just some insight into what their campaign, what that campaign was like? Yeah, I sure can. And the campaign that saw the successful passing of reforms to uh, our Births, Deaths and Marriages Act was a particular highlight. That's because what that uh, legislation achieved was a very long and hard-fought reform for our trans and gender-diverse communities to finally have their primary foundation identity document reflect who they are mm-hmm. and that was a really significant achievement hard fought and delivered only by labor mm-hmm. uh, despite the opposition from the tories mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that i think was um, uh, really interesting about um I've muted myself. <laughs> one of the things that was uh, interesting about those laws and uh, it can be tricky sometimes, I think, in the, the modern political and media environments that we operate in because, um, you know, people have they access different sources of media. And so there would have been some sections of the community that might, for example, not necessarily have heard many stories from members of the trans community. Like I, I happen to be managing a, a radio show on Joy, which is an LGBTIQ plus radio station at that time. And so I was talking to trans people who were explaining things like that when you can't have an accurate birth certificate that reflects your gender, you can't get ID that reflects your gender, and that means sometimes trans and gender diverse people get outed by their, say, driver's licence, you know, when they're travelling or when they're at a bar. Um, What were some of the stories that you heard that kind of, you know, brought home the importance of that change? Besides the fundamental right of people to have their identity reflected in their birth certificate that identifies who they are and who they see themselves as being, there were all sorts of practical difficulties, whether it related to employment, whether it related to uh, opportunities for education, be that school or post-school education, 
uh, opportunities for uh, engagement in everything from sporting clubs to social clubs, uh, as well as really practical difficulties when you're traveling, uh, when you're seeking support through uh, medical uh, opportunities, just the difficulties that multiply as you get older, all the way through to family challenges when you're trying to look after your kids, when you're trying to look after yourself, just the unnecessary humiliation and lack of dignity that was being rained on people for no good reason, given how far we as a community had moved down this path. Um, it's it's really, uh, yeah, there were a lot of great speeches as well um, in Parliament. The, the debate was quite ferocious. Were, were there any that kind of stand out to you? Oh, look, on the, on the negative side, there were some absolute shockers by some of the terrible um, conservatives, particularly in the upper house, but just put them in the dustbin of history. I was really impressed, particularly by our newer MPs. Uh, I've got to say that Steve McGee and Jackson Taylor, as both former paramedics and frontline police, uh, revealed from their own direct experience some of the challenges and learnings that they had seen in their own professional experience around difficulties that trans and gender diverse people had with just establishing who they were. Mm. And the deep empathy, the deep support uh, and the deep compassion that they were able to show uh, in their contributions reflecting their experience were really powerful. Mm -hmm. Then you add the leadership that we've seen from the likes of Harriet Shing and Steve Demopoulos as the proudly out uh, members of our caucus about the rights and the expectations that LGBTIQ Victorian community uh, bring to this issue, that they are amongst a really strong field of significant contributions. It, it was interesting watching that debate because we operate obviously now in an environment where, especially on social media, mm. there are... Um, you know, debates often happen in ways where it seems like people don't listen to one another across the aisle. You know, people use labels like identity politics yeah. and wokeness or whatever and political correctness that I think yep. are often overdone and quite unhelpful. Did you... It struck me as that the way the government approached things, and you were kind of talking about this before, was just a very reasonable, focused on people's basic rights and ordinary experiences day to day. Like it was kind of framed very simply yes. around fairness and the importance of people being able to be who they authentically yeah. are. Did that naturally... Was that naturally how people came to see the issue like i'm interested in yeah. the process of how it became something that was part of the andrews government's agenda this became part of our government's agenda way back in 2014 when we put together our equality back on the agenda program we bowled this up in the first andrews government but sadly the conservatives voted it down by one vote in the legislative council that was a really vitriolic uh, attack on the rights of trans and gender diverse people at that time. 
not just in the parliament by the conservatives but in the wider community by fringe groups of people who want to use the rights of ordinary victorians as part of a nasty vicious culture war we see it time and time again and it runs directly into labor's great historical mission of allowing people the fair go for being who they are that's always been at the heart of labor's um, mission the lgbtiq community and particularly trans and gender diverse victorians have been marginalized for far too long so this was part of the whole strategy of how do we bring decency and fairness to that community and to have that fundamental principle trashed so willingly by a small group but a group driven by bitterness and hatred uh, was really disappointing mm. so we sought to deliberately counter that by yes pointing to the issues of rights which needs to be fundamentally at what we do but equally to be drawn around listen this is about a fair go for people who are your neighbors who are your family members who are your co-workers who are your friends this needs to be seen in the context of a totally reasonable thing to do to make people's lives less difficult than they otherwise would be whilst also reaffirming their fundamental human right to be able to uh, express their identity, express their gender and express their sexuality as who they are in terms that the rest of society really has no real right to dictate to them around. Um, you, you were alluding to this um, before, some of the, the the vitriol and the really nasty um, stuff that was said in Parliament. Um, I'm thinking in particular of a, a speech from uh, a member of the Coalition's front bench where um, a speaker went on at length about a, a trans serial killer with the implication that somehow mm. trans people were some kind of mm. threat to, to women. And I remember speaking to members of the trans community about how um, engaging in this kind of debate was really, really hard. Yeah. You know, that a lot of members of the trans community are, like, statistically, the, the rates of suicide and mental yeah. health are just really unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I know the government took measures to actually... Uh, help, for example, mental health organisations yes. in advance of this debate? How cognisant of that traumatisation that can occur when you're pushing for these big reforms? How conscious of you uh, were, were you of that? We were very conscious because you've got to remember this is the same time as the marriage equality debate and a whole range of other issues where the rights uh, and choices of LGBTIQ Australians were in the community spotlight add to that the kind of clickbait um, uh, reign of intimidation that some cultural warriors for the extreme right were playing on the trans community and particularly trans young people through the safe schools program and mm -hmm. other opportunities we saw a kind of a context of significant difficulties being faced by uh, our LGBTIQ community. That's why we supported organisations like Switchboard, like Transgender Victoria, uh, Rainbow Families, Transcend, and a whole other range of grassroots LGBTI community organisations 
to lend support to that community to build their resilience, to build their leadership and to build their capacity to campaign and overcome some of those challenges. You're right, there were some shocking contributions from um, the Conservatives in the debate. We know that LGBTIQ Victorians, particularly trans community members, are more likely to be the victims of violence, are more likely to be the victims of harassment than to be the perpetrators. Overwhelmingly so. It was offensive, it was calculated, but it was overcome by community organisation and support from Labor. And I think I know, and I know this is something that, again, a lot of members of the trans community said to me, is that it's so hard when fundamentally the debate centres on your humanity mm. for a group to push back. Like I was conscious of this during the, the Yes campaign, you know, I'm, I'm a gay man, uh, that you need allies. You need yeah. people who, you know, because, because the whole point of the debate is that you can't be trusted. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's the dehumanising and the um, objectification almost of people and their their identity. So Labor's great mission is to support diversity, is to support equality, and is to support fairness. And where we uh, identify that as missing, as we have in the LGBTIQ community's rights to participate freely as to who they are, we need to act on that. And unsurprisingly, it runs into opposition from those who take the other uh, historical mission of wanting to um, close and narrow uh, social diversity, who have this notion that there was some golden past that we can all look back to. And sadly, that was reflected in those attacks, whereas we take the view that our best days are still ahead of us, and that's based on diversity, inclusion and participation. And if you're excluded from that, then that's Labor's message and mission is to include you in that. Well, I know a lot of uh, members of the LGBTIQ plus community were, were very grateful for the mm. government doing that. And I think it'll be like independently of ideology and this being a Labor podcast, I think it'll be something that people look back on as both a really important reform, but, um, you know, one of those kind of great... Uh, moments too in terms of yeah. politics yeah let's hope so yeah yeah um just to move on to something else uh now um you as i was alluding to earlier you have quite an expansive portfolio uh the the mental health royal commission um uh, has been happening here in victoria can you give us an update as to kind of uh, some of the stories that have been coming out uh, of that i appreciate you know, it, it's tricky in some ways because there's going to be reports and a yep. lot more to happen, but it'd be interesting to, to, to know what's been happening in that space. So we took to the uh, 2018 election a commitment that we would uh, establish Australia's first Royal Commission into our mental health system uh, because we identified that our mental health system uh, was fundamentally broken after a generation of underinvestment and lack of focus. That's to not reflect on the uh, contribution of activists and workers and unions to seek to build and reform that system. But it was a recognition that in 2018 and now in 2019, that the system was failing far too many people. The Royal Commission was established in February of this year and it's issued its interim report in November this year with a final report in October 2020. Mm -hmm. That report 
uh, and the stories along the way fundamentally confirmed what we knew, that our mental health system uh, is not fit for the 21st century task that we set it. So uh, the interim report points to some immediate needs that we need to take around uh, improving, whether it's uh, crisis beds in communities that have that um, disproportionately under uh, provided in their communities, whether it's dealing with suicide prevention programs right across the state, whether it's dealing with how we manage future research and practice change, uh, supporting in an appropriate way uh, our Indigenous community, which is so overrepresented in poor mental health outcomes, and a range of other measures. But particularly, it says what we need is a dedicated uh, and protected source of uh, income to rebuild our mental health system. Mm. We need a levy or a tax of some description to make sure that the big generational changes that need to be made are funded and delivered. We've indicated that, well, well we've said, the Premier and the Treasurer and the Government have said that we will implement all the recommendations. I was very disappointed to see that um, despite the largely um, strong support we've had across the community and the stories that we've heard from families, from individuals around the broken nature and indeed the dangerous nature of our current mental health system, despite those stories, we saw the Liberal National Coalition almost instinctively reject the Royal Commission's recommendation when it came to making sure that we fund those changes. Uh, that was disappointing, but we're not going to worry about them. The Liberal opposition have shown themselves to be irrelevant to the future of Victorians. We want to make sure that we build a mental health system fit for the 21st century. Uh, we will implement the interim recommendations and we look forward to the final recommendations in 2020. Mm -hmm. There is this uh, real challenge, I think, that Labor governments often have, and I think this has always been true, but this is particularly true in, in kind of recent years. There is this sense that the Conservatives get in and because they are so ideological and their natural instincts automatically prime them to cut things, to privatise, to undermine services, that when Labor comes back into power... Um, or, you know, is, is in power, a lot of the work of rebuilding systems, yeah, like and a system like the mental health system is obviously enormously complicated. Like any system where you're dealing with vulnerable people is incredibly challenging to reform. Like it's a, it's a really hard, you know, uh, job. Like it seems like the government's doing an excellent job of that. How do you balance kind of the need to fix systems that are that have been damaged or undermined because they've, you know, uh, uh, are complicated or have had elements defunded with, you know, the the need to kind of move things along gradually. I'm kind of yeah. interested in how, you know, because I think it, it strikes me as an essential problem that Labor governments face yeah. kind of across the board. Yeah. Social reform and economic reform go hand in hand. Our mental health system... Uh, is not fit for purpose for a whole range of reasons. Some of them state, some of them federal, some of them reflecting uh, changes in community. At the heart of it 
is the fact that uh, stigma, discrimination and a refusal to see it for what it is, a major social issue, has seen uh, mental illness and the need for mental health reform sidelined. And that has been a generational thing. So Labor's role is to um, be bold, is to challenge these structural inequalities where we find them, uh, and they're certainly there when it comes to our mental health system. Uh, The more than 100,000 acutely unwell Victorians who are unable to get any support for their mental illness is but one case in point that the Royal Commission was able to point to. The truth is that with one in two of us uh, dealing with a treatable mental illness over the course of our life, one in five of us this year uh, dealing with a mental illness, this reverberates through every family, through every workplace, through every community. And the fact that the issue has been marginalised for so long is unacceptable, Mm. particularly in the uh, all too often outcomes of suicide uh, and those that attempt suicide. Mm. Three times the road toll um, impacting on over 700 Victorian families every year but really impacting on friends, families, workplaces. The devastation that suicide and its complex relationship with mental illness is uh, something that just breaks communities and breaks families and we need to make sure that it's at the forefront of what we do in 2020 and beyond in what will be a long and hard process to reform our mental health system. Mental health has not been taken seriously for far too long in this state and this country. The the role that we have as a government is to lead that change, that mental illness and mental health is a serious matter for governments and for communities. Mm. If anything, the role of the Royal Commission in identifying that has been a major success in itself. The fact that it will provide a roadmap for reform and a roadmap for secure investment to make sure that mental health is taken seriously uh, will be its biggest outcome. Mm. Um, uh, Just before we move on to your other portfolio, Creative Industries, it feels like we're getting better at talking about the problems of mental yeah. health. Do you, is that your sense? Like this it is. is. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a generation ago, we wouldn't have been having this discussion. Even a few years ago, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. And whilst we've made progress, the more effort we put into this issue, uh, the more that it reflects needs to be done. The fact that in the last three budgets... We've improved uh, mental health spending by over 180% in this state, yet at the same time continue to get poorer outcomes, uh, says to us fundamentally there's something going wrong here. The Royal Commission points to the fact that at the heart of what's holding us back in public policy, in uh, service delivery, 
is the fact that we still don't talk openly uh, enough or in a supportive way around what mental illness means for Victorians. It points to that at being at the cause of the stigma, the discrimination that holds governments back and communities back from taking it seriously. This government is committed to taking mental health seriously and the Royal Commission provides us that pathway towards not only taking it seriously, but bringing the dedicated resources that are necessary to fund the reforms for enduring change. Um, uh, something that kind of brings, in a way, together a, a couple of both those portfolios in terms of equality and mental health is the Pride Centre. It's a, mm. a space where there's going to be a number of organisations focused on the wellbeing of the LGBTIQ plus community. I know there have been some developments in that space. Can you give us, uh, how's the Pride Centre going, an update? So the Pride Centre is a $15 million commitment from uh, the Andrews Labor government to make sure that our LGBTIQ community has a home but also a centre for organisation and campaigning that is also welcoming. Uh, and it's coming along nicely, uh, popping up in Fitzroy Street, St Kilda, out of the ground and will be open by this time next year. And in recent days, the Pride Centre Board, which is the independent organisation that we've tasked with um, delivering the project, have signed up a number of key tenants with more to come. Uh, in recent days, we've seen Joy FM, we've seen uh, Star Health, and a range of other organisations sign on the dotted line to be the foundation tenants for the Pride Centre. Uh, it's on track, it's going to be wonderfully successful, and uh, it will be, again, a beacon of Victoria's commitment to diversity, to inclusion, and for the LGBTIQ community, a home they can call their own. Um, wonderful stuff. Um, so, uh, again, <laughs> uh, uh, to move to uh, your final portfolio, um, though, though, you know, that, that, that's not a reflection on its importance. You are the <laughs> Minister for Creative Industries. I feel like we're going through like a, a you know, dot points of, okay, now we've got, but um, they, they've all, there's been a lot going on as well. Um, the federal government has just, look, it, to be honest, it's not entirely clear how, what will, <laughs> the, it looks like the Department of Arts has effectively been yeah. at, at, the, at the best subsumed into another department yeah. that does not include the word arts in its name, yeah. which is not a great sign, or um, uh, removed totally. And now I understand we may not necessarily know all the detail yeah. yet of that. Um, why do you think, as Minister for Creative Industries, it's important to have say, departments and ministers yeah, yeah. focused on those uh, areas. Absolutely. So for the first time in uh, many, many decades, the words arts or culture has disappeared from the federal department's uh, name that has responsibility for this. Now, what's in a name? Many things is the argument. Uh, Tony Burke, the shadow... Uh, Arts Minister summed it up pretty well in his comments the other day. Uh, it just reflects a lack of focus that our uh, federal government brings to the issue. But given that the uh, Liberal National Coalition federally has not taken an arts or cultural policy to an election for over 20 years, 
this shouldn't come as a huge surprise. The real rub will be what happens to programs. Uh, we saw under the uh, Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison first governments, uh, savage cuts to the Australia Council and a whole range of other programs. Uh, we need to make sure that we campaign for the not just the restitution of that funding, but a new deal for uh, how important cultural and creative policy is taken in this country. We think that we're leading that debate in Victoria because whilst names are important, it's policy content and commitment that is fundamental. Uh, that's why our creative state approach, which we're currently uh, reviewing in consultation with Victoria's creative community, is so important. We stand ready to work with the federal government to make sure that support is given again to that creative community, but the cuts need to be undone uh, and the recognition needs to be restored. Absolutely. Um, thank you very much for that uh, remarkably <laughs> comprehensive like, um, uh, uh, coverage of a, a lot of a lot of very, very important things that are moving forward um, in a, a number of uh, very very big areas. The way we like to end every pod on the hill is we ask our guest to to pick out uh, a song or a, or a track. What have you <laughs> What have you brought for us uh, today? Given that I'm down with the kids, uh, the preachers. Uh, hit little song it gets better well, i think reflects precisely the kind of um, message and mood that the victorian andrews labor government wants to spread at not just this time of the year but every time of the year what a perfect choice and that that of course is also a catchphrase that's been used as part of lgbtiq plus mental health programs in the u.s and in other places to to send a message to lgbtiq plus youth that um Things might be hard right now, but they are absolutely getting better as, no they, as they seem to be under the Andrews government. Minister, thank you so much thank for joining us. Thank you very much.